Today I'm going to preach, continue to preach from the series that we started a number of weeks ago, and that is going through and looking at the highlights of various Old Testament characters, and we're going at this point in biblical sequence, which for the first uh, few books of the Bible is also in chronological sequence. Today we're going to look at Moses. I'm going to read four verses today, Exodus chapter number 3, verses 1 through 4. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says this, one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go and see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. I want to preach for just a little bit on answering the call, answering the call. God bless you. You may be seated today. I am old enough to remember when cell phones, as we would know them, did not exist. And I remember probably in my early teens, for the first time, seeing bag phones. How many of you remember the the bag phones? Anybody remember the bag phones? All right, EJ, anybody else remember the bag phones? I only saw two or three of those, but in in watching various things that from the, the 70s, there were super expensive car phones that people had. Limited, obviously it wasn't the same kind of cellular networks that we have today, but these bag phones, you would take the bag and you would plug it into the cigarette lighter and it would power it up, and that was how you would end up making calls or receiving calls, and it was not only expensive to have the device, but from what I understand, very expensive to actually talk on one of these phones. But before I ever saw those, if you wanted to talk to somebody, you had to have a house phone. Or if you were in a position where you didn't have a house phone, you had to have a pay phone. Anybody remember that? 25 cents? Uh, come on, y'all can participate. We don't, just, somebody other than EJ I know has seen a pay phone. Raise your hand if you've seen a pay phone. Yeah. How many of you have ever used a pay phone? How many of you in the 90s had somebody say, here's a quarter, call someone who cares even? Yeah, okay, there we go. All right. That's some more country music fans than we do people who want to admit that they know about pay phones. When Crystal and I were dating, we didn't have cell phones. We started dating in 1993, fall of 94. She went off to Gateway College of Evangelism. I was working at the United States Postal Service. And if we talked on the phone, there was a pay phone in the college dorm. And we'd have to arrange from a previous time that we're going to call at this point. 
I'm going to call you, and you've got to be the one and ready to answer the phone. And so somebody else doesn't answer the phone and hang up. And I remember those days, and I remember when we first got an answering machine. Anybody, nobody has answering machines now. Your phone does it all. Answering machines are when people called you and you weren't home. They could leave a message. How many of you have never seen an actual answering machine? A device that you plug into the landline of your house. A lot of you are young. I remember having those answering machines, and I remember when technology got so good that you could call in and punch in a code, and it would play the messages back to you. Before they were digital, they had little tapes and micro cassettes, and once that tape was full, you were just out of luck on leaving a message. Now people have voicemail boxes they don't set up. Or their voicemail is full. I have a number of friends, their voicemail is full because they don't want to call people back. So they don't want to leave a message. But in in the day and time in which we live, we are always connected. I never leave the house without this device. And if for some reason I leave the house I promise you I'm going back to get it. I don't leave it in my vehicle, not just because I'm worried about people stealing it, because I want to be connected. I was meeting with somebody Wednesday morning. I left this in the truck. It was raining, so I decided not to go back to get it. And I was like, surely I don't need that phone. I'm in this breakfast meeting, and if somebody calls, it'll pop up on my watch, and I will be able to answer it if I need to. I don't even have to have this. It's got to be somewhere in close proximity, but I can answer calls on my, my watch today. If you have a smart watch, you can do the same thing. I'll be in the middle of something, my phone will be somewhere else, and I'll answer on my watch, and I'll be talking to people, and they'll be like, what's all that noise? I say, well, that's washing dishes or whatever. I actually do wash dishes. I'm not making that up. My wife has trained me well. But if my phone's not handy or my hands are dirty and I don't want to dig it out of my pocket, man, just hit that button. And if I have my Bluetooth AirPods in, I don't even have to touch the AirPods. The answer, Siri will say, so-and-so is calling. Would you like to answer? And I can just say yes, and then I'm talking to people. We're always connected, but that brings with it a number of downsides. We're always connected, so we're always distracted, and we're always trying to figure out who's calling and what's going on. And, and depending on your, your cell phone carrier, you may get a lot of spam calls. Anybody get spam calls? I get a lot of spam calls, but T-Mobile is pretty good at that. It will tell me it's probably a spam call. And when I get that and it says it's probably a spam call, I hit that red button and just hang it up. Before I even answer, I decline the call because I don't want to talk to a telemarketer. Back in the day, you didn't have any choice. You had to answer to know who was calling. Now we can know ahead of time who's calling. And even if you don't have their number in your phone and it's not a spam call, it's not a telemarketer, the technology will usually tell you who it is that's calling. I got a phone call. We had just gotten in from a trip Friday. 
My phone ring, starts ringing on the way home. It's a 314 number. It's St. Louis area code. I lived there for 23 years. I know a lot of people. Crystal still has a 314 number. And she gets, phone, she gets spam calls all the time from St. Louis. This phone rings. And it says, Kenny A. I'm like, I don't know anybody named Kenny A. Boom, and I hit the red button. And then about 15 seconds later, I was like, oh, yeah, that's Aaron Kinney. I do know Aaron Kinney. Braylon Kinney, one of our interns, it was her dad calling me. So I called him back and said, yeah, I just hit the button, man, because I don't want to talk to people I don't know. And so we, we have all of this technology, and we're always connected, and we're always getting calls. And most of them, I would tell you, if you look at my phone, most of the calls that come in, I don't want. The church has a Google Voice number. That Google Voice number will ring to my phone, but it doesn't tell me who's calling. It just says, Mark Blackburn or Cross Church. So I know that happens. It's Google Voice. Somebody has called the church, and it's forwarding to my phone, and I got to where I never answer it. Nobody I want to talk to ever calls. It's always telemarketers calling the church trying to sell us something. So if you have an issue, I will check the voicemail and I'll call you right back. You don't have my cell number. We get all kinds of calls that we don't want, but I would tell you that when it comes to spiritual things, we have a God who talks with us. We have a God who wants to interact with us and a God who wants to connect with us, a God who calls us. You may say, why, why would God call me? Why would I need to talk to God? Or why, what is the call all about? And, and actually, when we talk about God calling, what we're really referring to is not that He's just talking to us like He may do when you're praying, but calling is He is, he is speaking to you and He's saying, I want you to do something for me. I want you to work for me. I, I want you to be involved in my kingdom. I want you to take a step of faith. We saw that with with uh, Noah, and we saw that with Abraham stepping out in faith and hearing the voice of God and responding to His voice. We refer to that as God's calling on your life. If somebody is, is a preacher or a pastor, we say, or a missionary, God called me is the language that we use. I, I was going about my business, I was just doing my own thing, and God spoke and said, I want you to do this. There are many examples of this throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament. Paul and, and Barnabas, they're in Antioch in Acts chapter 13. They're in Antioch and they're just in a prayer meeting. I say just in a prayer meeting. It's one of the most important things we can do. They're in a prayer meeting. And, and in fact, Luke, when he records this under the inspiration of the Spirit, he lists out all of these well-known people from the early church who were there, and he says this, this person was there, and Lucius was there, and all the, he lists them out so that people would know he's not making this up. You want to know if this happened, just go talk to Lucius, or go talk to Niger, or go talk to someone else, and they'll confirm that in the middle of the prayer meeting, God spoke, said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas for the work that I will call them to do. And Paul then became an international missionary. We call, say that is his calling. He was called by God to go. 
And I would tell you that God is still in the business of calling people. For specific tasks at specific times. Or maybe even for a lifelong task. That God will speak to you and He will say, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to serve me and this is where I want you to go and this is the the avenue that I want you to take. And I've mentioned it numerous times. October of 2016 in a general conference service with some 7,500 other people that God said it's time to go and plant a church. God called and said, go. God speaking in the middle of that service and saying, this is what I want you to do. And I would say there are people in this room that you could say that at times God has called me. So I, I want to preach the remaining 13 minutes that we have on my timer here about His call. And I'm going to use Moses to do it and I need to hurry. At like a three-line introduction, I'm just now getting ready to be finished. Actually, I'm still in my introduction. Forget what I said. I'll try to keep it at 13 minutes. The context of this is that after the death of Joseph, decades pass and hundreds of years actually pass. And the Bible says that there arose a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Remember, Joseph's second in command in Egypt. He brings his family to Egypt and to live in the land of Goshen in the middle of this famine. He takes care of them. Some 350 to 400 years later, They're in bondage. A a Pharaoh has arisen who doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't know the story. And he looks at the the Israelites and they're multiplying and they're growing. He said, they're going to overtake us. They're going to take over our land. They're going to kill us or drive us out. And in the middle of all of this, Pharaoh decides to start killing all of the male children. Only males were warriors in those days. And so he has them killed. But Moses' mother doesn't go along with it and she saves him out and puts him in a basket and breathes and puts him in the Nile River and he floats down to a place where the daughter of Pharaoh is hanging out on the shore and find this basket with Moses and she decides to raise him as her own. And so for some 40 years, Moses, this Israelite, is raised in the house of Pharaoh. He's, he's raised in the house of the enemy the age of 40, he's a grown man. He's beginning to, he understands his heritage because for the first five years of his life, he's actually with his mother. I don't have time to tell all of that story, but he knows all about Egypt and he knows all about Pharaoh, but he knows all about his history. He knows all about his people and he knows that they're in bondage. And so he sees an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew And in the middle of trying to stop it, he kills the Egyptian. He buries him in the sand and he assumes everything is good until the next day when he sees two Hebrews fighting and he goes over and says, why are you fighting? You shouldn't be doing this. And they say, what are you going to kill us too? He realizes that they know about what he did and so he flees from Egypt. He goes out into desert. He goes and he finds himself in Midian and he lives there for some 40 years. He's married, he's got kids, he's got flocks. 
He's doing well, and then one day, he's just minding his own business. One day, he's just walking and minding his own business, and he sees a bush burning. It's on fire. Odd sight. But the bush doesn't burn up. It's just still stays lit. The branches are not disintegrating. They're not turning to ash. And he says, I've got to turn aside and see this sight. I want to give you quickly six reasons from Moses' life and from this incident in his life on why you and I should answer God's call. I'm going to hurry, and if you, if you don't know about this, you can see me after church, see Josh, see some others. My, my six points are in our church app on the sermon notes page. But the first thing is this, is that God's calling is always about others. God doesn't call Moses, and we read that. He turns aside, and, he, and, and I don't even have time to go into all the what God said, but God is calling him to be the deliverer of his people back in Egyptian bondage. And this calling is not about Moses. Moses is not in Egyptian bondage. God doesn't call Moses so that you and I today would say, man, Moses was so awesome. God calls Moses because he has a people that need help. He has a people that are crying out and saying, God, save us. God, deliver us. He has a people that need help. And what I would say is when God calls you, He is not calling you so that you can say, look at me. But He is calling you so that others can be blessed and others can be helped and others can be brought into His kingdom. The second quick thing is this. God's calling is God's choice. If we had the kids in here today, and I was like, I need a volunteer. You in this room, you would be like, don't call me. Should I put it to the test? I need a... But if we had kids in here, you know what they'd be doing? Everybody would be like, pick me, pick me. You pointed somebody, three people over there, and they all come up. They're like, no, I was talking to... Kids always want to be picked. Unless they're really shy. Moses is minding his own business. He's not out in the wilderness saying, God, I really wish you would make me the deliverer of your people. What I would tell you is that We can want to be used by God, but ultimately the way He does it and when He does it, it's His choice. We have a single responsibility when God calls, and that is to say yes. That is to say, when God calls Moses' name, He says, Moses, Moses, and His response is, here I am. God, I'm yours, I'm available to you. Jeremiah says, He pushes back a little bit when God calls him. He doesn't want to go, and God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you, and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your destiny. I have called you to do this. Jeremiah's like, I don't want to do it. It doesn't really matter. God says, I've called you to do this. 
Isaiah when he sees the vision of God and the vision of the, the angels around the throne and he realizes that he is a sinner in the middle of a sinful people and the cry goes out, whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. God is calling for you and I to, to step out and to do for his kingdom more than we're doing right now. We just need to say yes. Understand this, and this is the third reason why we should respond positively to his call. Is his calling is not based on a perfect past. It's not, his calling is not based on the fact that we are not as bad as somebody else. It's not based on the fact that we weren't sinners. We were all sinners in need of God's grace and in need of God's salvation. And no matter how bad our past, it doesn't eliminate us from being used by God. David, the man after God's own heart, that's not an Old Testament phrase, that's a New Testament phrase. David, a man after God's own heart, he's a murderer, he's an adulterer, but he repented and put that behind him. God uses imperfect people. Fourthly, God's calling is based on God's ability. This is a big one right here. Sometimes people let their past keep them from saying yes. Other times, and maybe more often, people let their lack of ability keep them from saying yes. Lord, I I can't do this. I'm not good enough to do this. Moses says the same thing. He said, God, I can't speak very good. I've got this speech impediment. I can't walk into Pharaoh's palace and and be this great orator and get him to let your people go. But understand that Moses' ability to speak or lack thereof was never God's plan. God doesn't call Moses because he's a great orator. God calls him just because he calls him. Just because God says, this is my choice. Have you ever been in a group of people and they're picking teams? It could be for sports. It could be any number of things. Anybody ever been the last one picked? Oh, come on, raise your hand. Oh, don't be shy. I've never been the last one picked. I was always the first. No, I'm just Is that an awful feeling or what? And what's going on there is either the people don't like you or they think you're just not very good at whatever it is. I see this play out still today. I take these boys to play soccer and I watch them I'm like all right now you got it both of you have to pick the two you know each of you have to pick one of the little ones and each of you have to we're not trying to stack teams we want them to be even so I coach them on how to pick teams but what they're doing is they're assessing your ability and they're like I just don't think you're any good so I'm not going to pick you and it gets really awkward and really hurtful and painful when there's only one person left 
and neither team wants them. Man, I got stuck with them. Anybody ever been there? <laughs> They'd rather play without you than you'd be on their team and it'd be even numbers. But I would tell you is this, God is never like that. God is not looking and saying, you know what? I don't think you got much ability. I don't think you, I don't think you can do much for me. Just understand this, it's not about our ability. It's about His ability. Because if it's about our ability, then guess who gets the glory? And we can say, look what I did. And what God is always after is for us to say, look what God did. Look at what God did. Yes, I was there and I said yes and I responded to God, but ultimately God is the one who's doing it. God is the one who's working in and through us. God always wants to get the glory. And our availability is more important than our ability. Fifthly, and i got to hurry. Countdown's getting ready to hit zero. God's calling is supernatural. For Moses, it was a bush that was not consumed. He's walking, minding his business, and this bush is burning, and he steps over there and God speaks to him from the bush and he says, you're standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes. What I would tell you is this, is that most often, if not even all the time, what God calls us, it comes when we're in his presence. It doesn't have to be in a church service like this, but it's always in his presence. It could be in a prayer meeting. It could be when you're driving along in your vehicle and you're singing or you're just thinking about God and God shows up and He says, this is what I want you to do. It happens in His presence because it is supernatural. And where His presence is, anything can happen and anything is possible. Sixthly, God's calling is about leading people to deliverance and to the promised land. For Moses, what God is calling him to do is to go back to Egypt and ultimately to lead people from Egypt through the Red Sea and through the wilderness into a land called Canaan. We refer to it as the promised land. Their destiny was to be out of Egypt, but it wasn't to be in the wilderness. It was to be in the land flowing with milk and honey. And what I would tell you is that everyone in this room, we're not taking people to a physical land flowing with milk and honey. But whatever He calls us to do is all about delivering people and seeing them get to that spiritual promised land that we call that if God calls you to sing, it's so that you can sing and the presence of God will enter in to the room and people will encounter Him. If God calls you to play, it's so that you can play 
as David played, and you can play like others play, so that God's presence will come into the room where you are and where others are so they can encounter Him and be delivered and they can be on their way to the promised land. If God calls you to preach, it's not because He wants you to stand before people and they say, look how awesome that is. I wish I could be like Him. But it's because He's calling people to be saved and be delivered and He's using us and our human voices and our human personality to bring people into relationship with Him. It's about deliverance and it's about heaven. As the musicians come, and I I would even say this, I've said it before in volunteer meetings, but if you're working in the nursery or you're working in the preschool or you're greeting or you're making coffee, it's not so people can say, man, they can make some coffee. And whether you may, you may not know it, but when you drink coffee here, it's Folgers in your cup. For those of you who haven't seen those commercials, you don't sweat over your head. But it's not about how well we make coffee. It's about making people welcome. So when they come in, They're like, yeah, I could come back here. Because long before they walk into this room and long before the first chord is struck on a piano or long before we begin to pray or offer praise, people are already making decisions on if they're going to come back. And so it's about people wanting to come back so they can encounter God again and again and again. It's about deliverance and about getting people to heaven. Would you stand with me today? God's calling is not about us. It's about others. It's His choice and it's not based on our ability or a perfect past. It is not a natural process, but it is a supernatural process. That it is God who orchestrates it. And it's about leading people to the promised land. Understand this, that Working for God requires being in a relationship with Him. So many of you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of you are in the, you're in the beginning stages of that. Some of you have been doing it for decades. But working in His kingdom is all about relationship with Him. The way we get in relationship with Him is through that new birth experience. Repentance and water baptism in the name of Jesus. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. If you haven't experienced that, today could be your day. In fact, if you haven't experienced that, God wants today to be your day. So if you haven't experienced that, I'd love to talk with you as soon as service is over set a time for you to make sure you understand about baptism and what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. But here's what I want everyone to know. In fact, why don't you look at your neighbor and tell them God has a plan for you. Well, do that, right? Just If you're not close to somebody, just look at them across the way and just yell it out. God has a plan for you. And I would tell you this. 
with no hyperbole and no exaggeration that God has a plan for every person in this room today that God has a plan to use you in his kingdom and for his glory he has a plan to use you to do stuff in this church he has a plan to use you to reach people where you work he has a plan to use you to bring people from your family into a relationship with Jesus Christ he has a plan to use everybody in this room to see somebody get to heaven because of you the only question is not whether he's calling it's whether we're answering the only question is whether When the phone rings and we look at that like, I don't know that person or I don't know that number, do we hang up or do we say, here am I? God wants you to say yes. Moses, his yes to God delivered three three million people. And I'm not going to tell you that your yes is going to see three million people make it to heaven. But I will tell you this, that your yes is going to see somebody else make it to heaven. And that will include you because if you don't say yes to God, you're not really going to serve him. You're going to turn your back on him because you know you're not doing what you should. My question to you today, how many of you want to answer the call? You may not, you may not hear his voice calling you right now, but it's going to come. Maybe for some of you it's come already and you haven't responded. Or maybe you're just in the beginning stages. Or maybe you know exactly what God wants you to do whether it's either of those or you haven't heard his voice in that way of calling you, he will call. And so for those of you that you don't know that God has called you, your yes today will make it easier to say yes tomorrow when you hear his voice. I'm going to invite everybody in this room around the front for just a moment. It's 12.04. We're going to try to be out of here in just a few minutes. But if your desire is to say yes to God, would you just come forward and would you lift your hand and say, Lord, Whatever you want me to do and whatever you want me to be, God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be that. I'm going to say yes to your kingdom, Lord. I'm going to say yes to you and to what you want me to do.